Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. So this episode that I'm about to share is with my friend and host of the From Where I Sit podcast, Christopher Carter. Chris passed away on October 7th, 2021, and I'm recording this about a day after I found out that he passed away. So I'm doing a less formal intro than I normally do. We met last year during the pandemic over Zoom through this group I joined on Facebook called the New York City Podcasters Network. We connected right away. His humor and his calmness and how he laughed at all of my jokes. He just was already someone I felt a strong connection to. So we were talking on Facebook Messenger, sometimes for hours, just riffing and joking and talking about podcasting and the industry and stuff like that. I ended up reaching out to him to be on the show and he said yes, and you're about to hear the results of that, but it was just the beginning of our friendship. I recorded this in April of 2021, and in the six months or so in between that time, our friendship really grew. We mentioned it in the episode, but we recorded an interview with me for his podcast, From Where I Sit. And then after that, he reached out to me asking to do some sort of film podcast together, where he poke fun at classic movies or something along those lines. And I said yes right away, because I just loved talking to him and um, I felt really connected to him. So we finally met in person at a Thai restaurant in Hell's Kitchen in Manhattan. And we just were talking about the podcast and what we wanted to do. We went for a walk afterwards and there was this guy with a giant boombox walking across the street from us, blasting Madonna. He kind of kept walking at the same pace as us on the other side of the street. So we ended up just stopping and talking some more, waiting for this guy to move. And it was just a strange New York moment that I'm grateful now that I got to share with him. The last time I saw him was in late September, I believe. We went to a Yankees game together. Uh, we've been recording an action film podcast that I'm going to figure out how to release. We've recorded about four episodes together before he passed away. Yeah, I also have the audio from the interview that I did on his podcast. So I have a lot of audio of this guy. So um, I've been sort of spending my day listening to him and uh, his podcast and the stuff that we shared together. It's bringing me a lot of comfort right now. Listening back to this conversation and what we talked about is pretty insane to me. Um, we talked about death a lot and adult friendships and connections with people and one person having an impact on somebody else. And Chris really did have an impact on me in such a short amount of time. So with that being said, I still wanted to put this episode out because I was planning on releasing it around this time anyway. So I'm just re-recording everything to address, obviously, um, that he's no longer with us. I wanted to have everyone hear our vibe and what he was like and hear his laugh and see how much even in this early stage of our friendship, how much we connected, how much I really wanted to continue to have it grow, and it did, and I'm grateful that it did. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Christopher Carter. <laughs> okay. Do I need a pad and pen? Do I need to take notes? Yeah, yeah, because I'm going to give you 
all you need to know to like be successful. Gotcha. Let me get my notepad now. Okay, uh, just let me first... know when you're ready. One second. This feels like this feels like high school all over again. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't know if you had one of those teachers. They would write the notes on the, on the board for you to copy down, mm. and they'd be super quick at erasing them. Yep. And all, all the kids would be super frightened. Like, oh, wait, 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 wait! Don't do it! Don't do it! And then they do it anyway. And they're like, you yeah. get it from somebody else. And you're like, uh, I wasn't, and then no one had it. So you're just, you're just fucked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> High school. High school. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I got my pen and paper. What do I need? What's, what's step one? Okay. Step one to be successful. Mm-hmm. Lie on floor. <laughs> this doesn't sound. Okay. I'll, I'll write it down. Lie on floor. What's step two? Step two. Breathe in. Breathe in. Step three, breathe out. Mm-hmm. Step four, repeat one through three. Step four, repeat one through three. This sounds eerily like um, advice that Glenn Close gave Jesus and Mero the other day. Oh, are you um, calling me Glenn Close? That's really exciting. <laughs> If you want to make that parallel, yes. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, but yes, they. She is out in Montana currently due to the pandemic, and she talked about laying in the in the earth, breathing in and breathing out. She is she is rather successful, so I guess that you you probably got that information from her, or maybe somebody who mentored her. She actually got it from me, though. If we're being you know honest, that's that was the other option. That that was option two that I was coming back to. Either you got it from people around her or she got it from you and didn't credit you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I knew that you were going to mention it, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to jump ahead, you know? I mean, that's fine. That's fine. That's, that's, cool. that's cool. I just like to go to, you know, I like to get to the, to the goal. I'd rather skip the journey and go, go straight to the goal. Understood. 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 <laughs> I was actually, I was actually told that recently that I don't, uh, that I don't appreciate the goal. Like I just, or I don't appreciate the journey because I'm so focused on the goal. I get that. I understand. I understand that completely. Sometimes the journey is not what you want to keep your eyes on because the goal is, is, is everything. That is what you are conditioned to believe is that the goal is everything. So the journey, you know, I mean, outside of, you know, walking tours where the journey is part of the goal, you know, like in personal life, it's hard to really see everything as it's happening like if you're if you're trying to you know like with college to get a degree you 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 don't think about how good those four years are until after you're out nope Uh, or however many years you're there you know two years for community you know even if you only stay one maybe a semester like you don't see that journey until way down the road same thing with high school you don't everybody just wants to get out of high school until once you're out, you're like, oh man, you know, high school is great at the reunions, or that's what they do on in movies and TV anyway. Right. Oh. But you're also always yeah. looking for something. I mean, for me at least, I, I don't know about you, but I'm somebody that I'm always to be present is very difficult in the moment. And it's like, all right, I keep thinking about what, it, you know, being somewhere else or moving forward. It's constantly a forward trajectory that I'm not enjoying what's in front. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. 
because there's there's always this thing in life to sort of be settled for the future rather than the present is almost just a given and you know the past is the past obviously but the present's a given the future is what you're trying to set up for so trying to be in the present isn't it may not be as high up on certain people's lists because you just you just assume it's going to be there or you're under this time frame like in your brain of like all right well i got to do all these things before i die you only live once right and so how can i do all of these things and accomplish them but that same friend or my friend that said to me about uh that i don't appreciate the journey was like i don't know if you i assume you don't believe in like any sort of afterlife so to rush to get all these things done and then for you to just die where are you trying to go yeah what's what's the hurry yeah what's the hurry or like my therapist is always like why you what's the hurry to try to solve all the problems i'm like because i don't want to have them anymore what do you mean what's the hurry you don't, yeah, you don't want them on your on your conscience. You want to sort of get that task handled and then put away. Yeah, check it off the list. I guess you don't feel uh, similarly? Do I? Uh, I'm a procrastinator, so I like to sit in the worry. That's kind of what my thing is. I um, There's something, I don't know, I don't want to call it empowering, but there's something comfortable about being worried about getting something done for long periods of time and then waiting until the last minute to do it and then just doing it. And then there's this euphoric burst of, oh, I did everything. And then, you know, you just settle into comfort for like a a day or two. So there's like that rush in doing it in the moment for you. Yes. Yes, definitely. Like today I had to to run an errand that I've been putting off for about 10 days. (laughs) It's a very simple errand. Uh, It took me about, about half an hour. And when I did it, I was like, oh, I'm relieved. I'm relieved that I did the thing that I was supposed to do 10 days ago. But I, I spent those nine days leading up to it, like, oh, you should probably go do the thing. It's only going to take you a half hour. And I'm like, yeah, I get it, but I've got time. I've got, you know, I can do it later. But I mean, it's comforting in a way to, like, at least know that that's coming for you, right? Like, to, like, sit in it when it's there. Yeah. And then you can have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, there there are times when I... Um, get out ahead of things, you know, because I know, because there's always a mantra, you know, work smarter, not harder. So therefore, you don't want to make things harder on yourself at that at that deadline if you don't have to. So there there are times when you jump ahead. But um, as I was always rated in elementary school, I was low on initiative. <laughs> um, I was very smart. I was very sharp as a tech. I could do all the work, but I just never had the drive to do it early or do it even like a little bit ahead of time like even the summer reading the summer homework i would just wait until like the last two weeks and just bang it out uh so it's sort of for me that there's something to the procrastination there's something to um that whole process um where i i feel more comfortable maybe it's just because i've done it and you know, just doing the, the smart thing or do quote unquote smart thing is something I've never really sort of ever done. I've just sort of done it my way secretly. Even when others are telling me, oh, you should do this ahead of time, do this ahead of time. I'm like, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. And they'll ask me, did I do it? Yeah, 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 I did it. But secretly I hadn't done it. I'm just waiting for the procrastination time. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it last second and then let's go. But you know, it was comforting to you though. It's something that 
got you through it or that you were used to. That's true. That's true. You know, I keep hearing about like being grateful for the things that got you through it rather than seeing it in sort of a negative way. I, I get it. I get it. But it's, it's, there, there are times when the things that got you through it sucked. Like when, when people work out, when you're working out, that like working out isn't great. But when you get to the end of it, that's sort of when it feels better. That's when the, the endorphins kick in. That's when everything sort of, you know, that's when you feel everything. Uh, like when you're actually doing wind sprints and you know bench presses and you're you're lifting heavy plates from this rack to the other rack, like you're not supreme. You're not necessarily enjoying it the same way you enjoy how it feels after it's done. I know there's some that find solace in the routine of it. That whole conflict between you know immovable object and you know your own strength and there is something to that. I get that, but you most of those people would admit to you that they feel better after stuff again it's about that the goal rather than the journey itself kind of going exactly. back there but also exactly. like i think people have been saying it to me as a way to growing up i was i went to food for to get me through things as like an escape my therapist specifically was like you know you should be i'm just glad you had something that was able to be there for you i'm like but it's not a good thing like just relying on food all the time as like a crutch or something to escape your emotions. And it's not necessarily the healthiest thing. It's like, yeah, but it got you through it. It was, it was something that helped you in the moment. And I think it's something you can be grateful for. I was like, yeah, but if, what if, if, but I was like, is it the same if like booze got me through the moment or something else? You know what I mean? Yeah. Should I still be grateful for that? And she's like, well, if it's bringing you joy, as long as it's not like a crutch, I'm like, well, I feel like food is that for me. But I guess for them, it's it's the it's the lesser of two evils. It's yeah. either food or no existence at all. Right. Because you know some people could take it to that limit and just say, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to do this living thing anymore, and just you know. So it's either I have the the thing that I lean on, or I just have nothing at all to lean on, and it's just over. Actually, this all kind of brings me to like in our interactions. I think they've been they've been few and far between, obviously, because for the listeners. Um, Christopher and I are a New York City podcasters. Shout out to them. I think in every, in my, my only impressions of you essentially are through, you know, us talking on Zoom or the meetups or through like chatting on Facebook or whatever. And I've got this vibe that like, you're so relaxed about things. And I think kind of hearing now that you, it's all kind of the rush in the moment versus the worry prior. Mm -hmm. That kind of makes sense. Cause I was like, is he an actual anxious person? <laughs> Can he be free of anxiety? Yeah, I was like, is that real? Am I going to talk to someone that's like worry-free? Is that a true thing? Is this something that you've, because you said you've done it pretty like constantly throughout your life, was there another thing that you were so worried that you decided this was the way or it just kind of happened that way naturally and you were like, this is working? I think it was more of the second part. It's just sort of that's how that's how it worked for me. Um, and it, there was always the constant battle of what others were saying and then what I felt. You know, your parents, your grandparents. You know, those that are seen as seniors. You know, those that those that have all the information. They tell you this is how you should do X, Y, Z, and then you you listen to them and you you try to do it their way. But then if there's a way that you can do it. 
and it works for you the way that you did it, then you're like, okay, maybe maybe my way is just as good, if not better, than theirs. There's always the the push and pull, the the back and forth of do I know better? Do they know better? When I got taught how to iron my own shirts for school, like I I had my own idea and it turned out my idea wasn't the way. That's when you take their information and say, okay, your information is better than mine. We'll go with that. But, you know, in things of the modern age, like electronics or, you know, finding the best price for a thing, like that's more my lane now than yours. I'm probably better at it. So I'm going to go with my route versus yours. Also, that just made me think of, I was listening to your uh, your podcast, which is called From Where I Sit. So y'all should listen to it. There was an episode, I think it was recent, where you talk about going to like your, it was like a series of mishaps that happened <laughs> in your day. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it just reminded you said like great deal or something. It made me think of what you call the certain store of like great acquisition instead of like yes. the real name of what it was. And yes. I was like, <laughs> it just made me laugh. I was like, oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I, I wanted it to be uh, cleverly done. I because I mean everybody probably knows what it is, but I didn't want to say exactly what it was. Yeah. Um. There is there is a there is a level of I don't want to call it mystery. I mean, considering I, I put my full government name, I don't necessarily want it to be a wide open book. You know, I, I guess that's where anxiety would definitely pop up for me is if if I laid my life bare for the internet to see, you know, what and what their responses are to that, what I that would send me up a wall. Not literally, but you know. You know, I mean maybe. Uh, uh, I mean I am I am I do have catalog reflexes, but that's not how I want to utilize them. But I think I think that's what shows in the episodes, just kind of going through a story or something that you're thinking about. The way that you do it, it's like you feel like you're just talking to a friend and there's like a soothe, there's like a soothing voice that you have and it's, it feels comforting in a way, but you're also picking and choosing what sort of things that you're, you know, you're obviously curating what you tell people. Is there, I'm assuming that's intentional, right? Yes. And how do you decide what you think is, and is there an anxiety in deciding? How do you decide what is going to go in or what you want to talk about and how personal you want to get? And is there a reason why there's some sort of distance for you? Well, most of the time I don't want to give names just for, you know, to protect the listeners. Right. Understandable. Because there was another, there was another podcast that I did about the power of positivity. That was another one where I sort of did, I told a story about something that happened to me, but I wasn't super direct about it. I made a plea to myself, I think the very first episode is that I did not want my podcast space to be messy. I didn't, I didn't want it to be messy in a way where, you know, I'm telling my personal business or telling someone else's personal business. Is there any anxiety in doing that? No. Because I, because of that rule that I stated at the very beginning, that's, I, I created that lane and I wanted to stick to that. So where is anxiety and worry for you now? Not just in the podcast, but in other things in your life. I try, I try to curate my life in a way where I try to keep the anxiety to a distance, but there are times uh, when it just pops up. Um, mortality is a, a big anxiety maker for me because 
I guess I, I'm going to have to dig on this one. But it seems like mortality is a thing that seems to creep into my life at the edges. Uh, a lot of people, like my uh, a close friend of mine, his father passed away. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of just living my life, I don't want to say death free, because a lot of people are dying around me, specifically to my life people are not really passing away, you know, uh, right. relatives, like distant relatives are passing, but I don't know them like that. Like my, my close friend who I've known since uh, freshman year of high school, his father passes away and I knew him. So there's a direct connection. Like I've met him, we've, I've shaken his hand. He liked me, I liked him. Like that sort of hit me. Um, so that sort of, sort of shakes up the moment. Or, you know, tr uh, my mother gets surgery done last year. So there was there was a period of time when mortality was on the brain. Uh, when I when I when my mother first was diagnosed with cancer, uh, mortality was on the brain, you know, heavy to the point where I was, you know, supremely moody, and you know, I'm writing poetry about dark stuff, and I'm just like, you know, I don't like I don't like sitting and wallowing in this about mortality. So that's, that's the stuff that kind of provides anxiety. And also for me thinking of the future, um, because I'm not the person who's going to have the, well, I can't knock on what I can't say, I'll never have it. But the American dream, the idea of the, the house picket fence, 2.5 children and a dog, that's not going to be there for me. Like I, I don't, see myself with that as the end goal. So the idea of where I'm going to end up in my older years, that is a distant thing to worry about in terms of anxiety, um, but it's there. You can see it, but you just don't acknowledge it right now. But it all overlaps though, right? Mortality and also when you're gonna get the American dream or whatever your version of that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, they, they tend to cross streams, so to speak. They, uh, they tend to be, in, they tend to occupy the same space, um, but I do what I can to keep them at bay. I mean, I guess for me, the the bigger worries I have for anxiety are just like minor, not minor, but like like how some people have microaggressions. I have like micro anxieties. Like there may be an anxiety for the day, or you know, I've got to go do this before this closes. Like that'll that'll be enough anxiety for me for that day. Like I don't. The big stuff hasn't really hit. And when it does, I, you know, that's what I deal with it then. But I try to keep as much of the big stuff away from me as possible. But so when the big stuff creeps in, because <laughs> it's gonna. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, um, I know. And then, and that's kind of the thing. Like when I was like with when my mother was in the hospital last year, I had to sit in it, and it was just like it's not, it's not the best place to be, obviously. No, no one wants to be there, but when it's there and you have no choice but to deal with it, it's it's a process because it, it feels like, for me, I, I like to sort of work through things logically. That type of that type of situation, you there's nothing you can do. There's like there's no amount of progress that you can make to push through it to sort of get through the other side. Either that moment, the moment has to end. Like when my mother got out of the hospital, you know, if it, if things had gone the other way, 
then that's another that's another way that it would have ended for me to get out of. But I, I'm sure there would have been more to process that way as well. But just her her getting out of the hospital, her trending upwards, made things a lot better for me. Obviously, um, but whilst in it, yeah, it, it was it was a tough space to be in. I mean, the sitting in it is, I think, why I feel like I'm not present a lot of the time because I feel like I've avoided. I don't want to. I don't want the feeling of sitting in that anxiety or the feeling mm. of that discomfort. I guess is the is the better word. Yeah, there's. Uh, I call I call it the malaise. I, I get that. So how do you get out of it? Like how do you how do you just put, how do you take yourself out of sitting in the anxiety of that moment? It's it's about like for me. It's always about a forward movement what can I, can I do something else? Or can I call someone or can I distract myself? Is there something that I can focus on instead? And then maybe that problem isn't necessarily tackled, right? Because I'm just like, well, maybe if I fix this other thing, maybe then I won't worry about this thing anymore. Right. It doesn't right. work. Cause clearly <laughs> I'm still, I'm still doing a podcast about anxiety cause I still have it. It's not gone away. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to turn, um, it's going to be probably a weird cut, because my battery died on my recorder. While we were, while I was adjusting my batteries, and Christopher suggested plugging it in, which <laughs> I've been podcasting for four years and have never done that in my life. Wow. And, um, you know, I just miss the simple things, and it's I just want to thank you for that. It's all about growth here, moving forward, as we talked about. That's a theme for... Uh... Today's show is uh, moving forward. <laughs> well, during the during the break, we'll call it. Um, you mentioned that you were a passive listener. And used to be, yeah. Used to I be used a passive be. listener, yeah. I guess you stopped being a passive listener because you realized that people were unreliable. They were unreliable narrators. You start, and it's it's not it's not, I'm not saying this to say that my friends are malicious. It's just that my there are times when people tell you a story because they they want you to respond in support of them. So they want to sort of shape the narrative in a way that favors them, that makes them look like the hero, makes them look like they've been the one who's been wronged. You have to sort of support them blindly. That's kind of, it's almost like the, the, the hidden contract of friendship is that you support your friends blindly no matter what they did or whatever the case may be. But over the course of time, some of these stories that I've heard or were hearing, you just sort of, you have to analyze what you're hearing. And to me, I, I felt that my friends were feeding me a line. So I have to start asking questions. I have to start asking counter questions, you know, cross-examining the witness so to speak like I'm, I'm really trying to find out is it really you might have some flaws that you're not acknowledging and they may be in play here between your interactions and you can you can tell sometimes especially as a as a as, a, as an aggressive listener now a violent listener <laughs> yes <laughs> I listen with uh, bullets and blades, but yes, you, you, as an aggressive listener, you start here, like what, what they're leaving out. Sometimes with converse, they'll, they'll give you like a, a, 
a transcript of a conversation. And if they say a lot of, oh, I said, blah, blah, blah. But they said, oh, you're the worst person in the world. I say, I then come back to, no, what was the blah, blah, blah? What did you say? Obviously, I can't, I can't get to the bottom of everything because, you know, I'm, I'm only working with the information that I'm given. I have friends that I know, to me, know how they're going to react to something or I know what their style is by now of how they're going to react to whatever I tell them. But I know, like, I kind of have an idea. I'm like, well, if I want to get, if I want to answer all the questions, I'm going to go to this person. If I want someone, if I want the reaction of, you know, support you unconditionally, whatever, there's people for that. Or I think that's where my anxiety is, is like, I want to make sure I'm filling the right role for that person because I've realized that's how I've been operating. Like, you don't have the investigative reporter friend, you have the supportive friend, or you have someone that wants to solve the problem. Right. And there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't want the problem to be solved. And you can mm. communicate that in the in the beginning of the conversation, which people keep telling me is a thing to do. But I'm also like, I don't want someone to change their style for me in the sense that like, if it's not something that's natural for them and it's not a role that they're comfortable with, then I'm just not going to go to them for that, which I guess I should essentially do the same thing to myself. Like, instead of trying to fill the role for somebody that I think they want, if they're not communicating those things, they're calling sure. me for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's also a part of me that's anxious of like, I shouldn't have to look for someone else to feed me what I probably already know. That comes with experience. And it's and you it's sort of how flexible you are as that friend. Because you know you know that the person once that person who's calling you calls you, it's almost as if you you load up the program that involves them. Yeah. So like if, you know, your your friend calls and you know they it's not even that they, they've even answered and said that they have a problem and they're gonna to talk to you already. Like as they're calling, you're shifting into that mode of dealing with that person. If this person has a problem, I know that they're gonna be like this. So let me sort of shift my shift how I respond to them to sort of work with their profile, so to speak. And it's not it's not it's not necessarily that you're changing. Cause I, I know some people think may think that with friends that doing something like that sounds like you're just adjusting for them or, or changing for them and it's not. All, all friends kind of do this where they they know if someone's calling, they turn into uh, I don't want to say a different version, but like a slightly modified version of of themselves to deal with the new person that's coming in like it's 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 very rare that someone can be the same with everybody because everybody's different like every since everybody's different like the inputs are all different how how can you be the same across the board to everybody and you just because of you, you know those things you're like all right so i'm gonna all right, I got to put my hat on to talk to Christopher now. Right. And like, or this right. is the version, like, I don't want to do too, you know, there's anxiety, like, I don't want to do too much. This guy doesn't really know me. And I'm going to be like a hundred, <laughs> you're going to be giving a hundred all the time. Like this person might not react well to giving all of this. Right. Right. So like, I got to tone, I got to be less than right. even this podcast I is being a subdued version of, of who I am. I can, I can sense that. But I, that's that's 
a, a, a decision on your part not to really overburden your guests. Well, especially me, since we have we haven't spoken as often, and we sort of have a more jovial tone, you know, a, a more jovial back and forth, almost like a, a I don't want to say Abbott and Costello. There's <laughs> less violence. There's less violence there. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> it's early. It's early. Uh, but we we joke. I guess I guess because we probably know. There's probably something that we know about the two of us that sort of just sends us to jokey mode anyway. But I guess it's to maybe soften the heaviness of what we may end up getting to. Like when, like when you got me to start talking about mortality, you can sort of feel like there's, there's an anvil in your chest that just drops like, oh, I got to talk, I got to dig into this dark stuff. I mean, that, that takes a, that takes a commitment, um, you know, it takes a commitment to even just get there because like, and like you mentioned, anxiety, you don't want to sit in it. That's yeah. kind of, I think that's kind of a, a common thing. Yours is more about moving. You like you're, if you're in it, you move through it, past it, away from it. Me, it's more like I have like a force field. I, I do the, um, the telekinetic bubble where everything's just at a distance where I don't try, I don't let it penetrate my, uh, my pristine surroundings. But when you talk about, like, you know, the mortality is the hefty stuff, for me, that's a lot of where my anxiety is in, in mortality, too, in the sense that, like, I was, I talked about on the on the show, too, but I, when I was 13, I was obsessed with, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to die someday. What's that going to be like? And fully, like, seeing the clock and looking at the time and being like, Oh, a second of my life is gone. Oh. What did I just do? You know, I don't have that intense dread anymore. But there are times where I'm just like, I need to do all these things so I can have an impact and so I can be remembered. And, but it's like, I'm going to be dead. Am I going to care that somebody remembers me? There's not going to be any more. Mm. So that's, that's the existential dread. Hmm. That's the one you there's dread everywhere you. truly yeah but that's the uh like what is what's the point type of thinking where it's like i'm on this planet for what reason like what what is my role am i am i but a cog in the machine am i you know what's my legacies like bigger grander you know societal effects type thoughts i i've i understand the thoughts like I understand those like those. Yeah, and it goes back to the whole playing the right role for your friendships. Am I going to be doing the right things or play, putting myself in the right place so I can be, so I can, do, you know, so I'll be remembered in the right way or so I can be, so people aren't saying they hate me. And then right. people just go to my funeral and they're just spitting in my grave. You know what I mean? I get you. I get you. It's interesting that you you brought up that, that up because... I think for me, it's, it's, it's interesting to have those thoughts that young, uh, because you, you, you never know, at least you won't know it until you're later, until like you're this, our, our current ages, but, or you've had time to think, but you, you think about grand things like, what's my point? I'm just a speck in the universe, you know, my legacy, you know, how are people going to remember me in a, in a larger sense? And because it's because that you know that there are people in this world that have effects 
globally. Don't you don't you don't understand? I mean, obviously they're they're connecting people with their one or two talents. Uh, maybe they're an actor, singer, dancer, sports player. Uh, they have a, a, an elite talent that they have that can be seen by the masses, heard by the masses, ingested by the masses. Um, and then they they have this relationship with a, a, a globe full of strangers where the strangers sort of fill in the blanks. You know, that's, you know, some of these celebrities get stalkers. Um, people write fan mail like, oh, you've inspired me to do X, Y, Z. You've changed my life just by you dancing or just by you singing. And that that big effect that one person can have on an entire globe you're not you're not really thinking about that at 13. It, it can hit you now like if you sit back and think about it, like wow one person can affect an entire globe full of people how do they do it there's also there are a lot of other people involved in that one person affecting the entire globe and i, I think you and i we don't have the machine behind us yet obviously it's early it's interesting because people feel like on a personal level like with it they think so grandly for how am i going to leave a legacy for the world but the thing is you kind of want to leave it for the people that matter to you like i think you have to sort of change the scope so the the thoughts don't feel as daunting or just like being fulfilled in the now rather than focusing on the the legacy, so to speak, of like, and I don't know if you experienced this with your podcast, but when I've heard from one person that they've been affected by the stories I'm telling or by the interviews I've had with people or just my perspective, I started doing this show because I wanted to connect with other people and I wanted people to see, I wanted to let my stories out and have somebody relate to them or feel less alone. And when I hear from that one person, my immediate reaction is, is first like, all right, I wish I had, you know, that analytic of it all, the like, give me that listenership and give me that sponsorship and, and all those things. But yeah. then kind of looking at it again, it's like, oh, you're doing what you've wanted to do. Like, you don't need a big audience. You just need one person. And even if it's just you, if you're that one person and it's bringing something to you, like, that's enough. And it's hard to, like, I know that's enough, but I think that my, I'm so steeped in the future that I'm not appreciating that there is, that one person can have an impact on somebody else. And that, but you also shouldn't value your whole life based on that. You know, I'm going to be honest. I haven't listened to every single episode of yours, but you know, I, I will get there. But I, then what I listened to, I felt, A, I felt closer to you in a way. Cause I, I feel like, you know, we're, we're sort of new, new connectors, if you will. Yes. And I felt closer in, and even just talking about the minutia and, and like you had an episode about, um, like a, a corporation or like, I assume it's like a cable company or something of like keeping you waiting all day and then, or they're not showing up and what are they going to do for you? Um, held, held hostage. Yes. Held hostage. Yeah. And just that relatability of that conversation of the, the conversations you're having with your invisible audience. Right. Like it's not as heavy handed as something like, you know, being afraid of death, 
Right. But there's a connection there and there's people can relate to that. And I, I want to know from you if that's something that you experience, if that's something that you're, you're seeking out or if that's something that like why you sort of do what you do. Well, yeah, I, you, you want to connect, you want to connect with the other person in a, in a very specific way through a very specific medium. The interesting thing for me is I've sort of had some, I don't want to call it pod fade. Uh, I've been very inconsistent, I would say the past four or five months. Um, and part of that is due to, I just have a lot of interests. I have a, a brand new interest. I, I like sneakers now, like a lot. Oh, you're um, one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I, we could talk off air about the sneakers. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big problem. Um, uh, you know, I got, I, you know, you're getting new equipment, you're, you're going places, you're, you know, you have other interests and other things that you're into and you're sort of experiencing that and that takes time to process and enjoy all of that. But there's also to tie back into you about connecting with the listeners. You said, if you just have one, it's weird. Like if, if, if we had that connection and it was so fulfilling, we would only make one episode of a podcast because once we, once we connect with that one person, that's it. We're good. We should be good, but we keep making more episodes because we kind of need, as I'm learning, we need the reconnection and the rush. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's something to putting something out and then have it. It may not even be the same person. It may just be another person. You want another person to respond and say, Oh, this was a great episode. Oh, this was that the feedback is important. And I understand why, a lot of people ask for it on other platforms like YouTube. Uh, and I think that's probably why I've been so inconsistent with mine is that my feedback has been different. My feedback has been uh, a little lesser. I, I think I said it in the uh, the recharge episode where I said, I'm, you know, I'm back with a new energy. And I'm like, eh. I kind of knew I wasn't really, I knew it wasn't a new energy. I'm kind of selling it. But I knew that I, I sort of put that out there as like a bookmark where it's like, I, I want you as my listeners to know that I'm not, I haven't given up on podcasting, but because I still like the medium, I still understand that this is probably the best way I'm ever going to get my information out there. Right. But the response from others is dwindled even from my inner circle. Like the, the people who used to be most excited about new episodes, they're not excited anymore. They don't, they don't have the same energy for my finished creations as they once did. And that's, it's not something that supremely brings me down, but it's just sort of like, a ah, well, if they're not excited, and then that goes down that path of, you know, well, is it any good? You know, should I keep doing this? What is, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, so there, there ends up being some anxiety in that thought path. This is sort of, the only thing that I can, I'm not going to say it's the only thing I can do, but it's the, it's the thing that I know that I'm good at. And I know that it can get my point across the best. Um, like when I see, because I'm still part of these Facebook groups where people are asking for guests and I see people, you know, putting their little resumes out like, oh, I'm, I'm a specialist in this, I'm a specialist in that. And I'm like, oh man, I want to talk to them. And that, that sort of keeps me going because I know I still want to keep talking to other people. 
that just made me think of, you mentioned Facebook groups. So I think you opened a can of worms for me just now. So obviously, so we, we know each other from uh, a Facebook group. So I think what, you know, and I, and I know if any of y'all are listening from New York City podcasters, hey, not insulting anybody. I, <laughs> I feel like because I, I make the podcast for, you know, like I said, like that one person, there's also, there's that. But like you said, there's, we're not fulfilled. So we keep doing more. So there's that. But there's also, I started making it because I wanted to tell stories because I got nervous telling stories like when I would do storytelling open mics. I, I use, it's, it became a therapy for me. A lot of what I, what I feel like I'm missing by doing, by being involved in the group is I, I don't focus too much on the, the technical aspects of it or the, the marketing aspects or the, you know, even just like the talk that we both got to do. It was very like, it was about tips and it was about these very tip one, tip two. And I'm like, I just, I'm just rooted in emotion and I'm rooted in, in, in the passion of it. And I, I don't know if I can, if the, the talk about analytics and, and, um, merchandise and those things are even something that appeals to me anymore. I don't want this to be work and I, I do want to grow the podcast and don't get me wrong. Hey, new listeners, what's up? But <laughs> you know, I, I, it's also, you don't get instant feedback from listeners all the time. I don't want to seek value in it in the way that to give me that validation. It might, it might feel it waters down your authenticity. Yeah. And so I think there's a part of me that feels very out of place. And I have enjoyed the people that I've met, like, you know, obviously wouldn't have connected otherwise and other people that I'm, that I've talked to and will be talking to for the podcast too, and talking to just talk to in life. Like I wouldn't have met them without it, but I feel like there's this pressure to be, to be more than I'm willing to give, I guess or that I want to give in the sense of like, I just want to have connections with people. I feel that the artistic, the artistic side of creating a podcast is sort of infringed upon by the business side of podcasting. Mm. Um, or, or more, more of the, I don't want to call it infrastructure. Um, but sort of the, the nuts and bolts of the podcast business infringe upon the creation of what, which I guess what we're trying to do, because it seems like you and I have a similar concern. Um, I'm a little bit more interested in the merch. I kind of like the idea of, of uh, you know, wearing my own podcast logo as like, you know, a shirt or a hooded sweatshirt or like a hat or mask. Like I kind of like, I kind of like the fashion side of that. Like that, that's kind of cool. But the idea of selling it is the thing that I don't necessarily want to do. For me, I feel like my output should stand on its own, and then that would drive people to do whatever they want to do around it, request merchandise or buy merchandise or spread the word or whatever the case may be. It's weird because you, you start hearing these terms like call to action, and you got to post between these hours and these hours so people know that your stuff is up, and I'm I kind of, there's a part of me, like like we talked about before, there's a part of me where somebody tells me 
what I should do. And then there's a part of me that's like, this is what I kind of want to do. And we have a standoff. Um, I feel like for me, I'd rather just do what I want to do rather than listen to the suits and the, not the suits, but you know, the, the, the people that are more about how to succeed by, you know, working the algorithm versus succession or succeeding by making the actual episode. Because to me, to me, I feel like the episode is the most important thing. Me actually, I feel the most joy when I finish, after I finish editing and doing all of this stuff, when I hit um, upload, when I upload the episode via my uh, service and I know that the, I know that the episode is out. Then I start feeling a little bit like, ugh, now I have to go to Twitter, to the podcast. There's something, I don't want to say troubling, but there's something intimate about the creation of the product. You know, the editing, me, I'm, I'm, I edit my own product. Um, I make my own um, podcast art. I, you know, I do all of that. And there's, you know, the process of editing means I'm cutting bits out specifically. I'm adding, you know, sound clips specifically. I'm, I'm shaping this and molding this into what I want the final product to be. I don't always want to worry about, I don't feel like there's art in the business side of it or yes. the, the technical side. And I feel like that, that makes it feel more like work. Like I said, it's no shade to other people. It's just, I think maybe it's just my, our personal journeys, technically, because it sounds like you and I are in the same lane on that, where it's just, maybe the focus should just be on what we create versus what we tell other people to do. Our vibe is in the creative and our vibe is in telling the stories that we want to tell and you know, again, like you said, like you want, you want some hats, you want some merch. Yeah, I have I like do. a, I have an anxious AF shirt that I made that I'd like to have outs at some point. Like, I think it'd be funny for people just to walk around with like a hello, I'm anxious AF kind of shirt. It would sell like hotcakes. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? It's, I don't, I don't dislike the idea of, of promoting yourself in that way. I think I felt a connection of some sort to, to you as, as in the group specifically because you had that sort of similar we have I feel like a similar sassy vibe but I felt like you would understand where I was coming from or I saw that you would react to something that I said in the group or something and hmm. or saw the humor in what I was trying to say oh it must be it must have been my facial um Listen, my, my, my face, I make faces a lot. I can't, that's the one thing about it I can't control. So maybe you might've saw those and I was like, okay, that, that, that might've been the context clues you needed. Yes. This season, I really want to just use this time to just connect with people. There's people that I've like been wanting to connect with and people that I've wanted to hear more about what they think. And let's just not have an agenda and build off of that. There was like, I felt like with you in our conversations, I felt like there was, there was a carefreeness, like I mentioned earlier and mm. a worry freeness, which, you know, facade of sorts, but there was a relaxation and there was a, there was a comfort in it. And I think 
I think they'll just under. I think we can just have a good talk and we can just have a good conversation. And honestly, from the jump, I think this has been really, really interesting. This whole conversation. I didn't really know where it was going to go. I didn't really have any plans <laughs> in this. This is my, honestly, my first interview of this new batch. So oh. congrats to you for being the first one. <laughs> I mean, you know, I hope they're all as good as I am. You know, and I don't think anyone will ever live up. Sorry about it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a tough life they have to live. Yep. Um, but I think they'll deal with it. Maybe some some therapy, some um, yeah. Maybe maybe they'll push past it in a few years. But right now, they just have to sort of deal with the greatness that is this, and then um, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I I completely understand. Like, I guess it speaks to the idea of making friends as an adult. Can you do that? <laughs> it's it's so that's you want to talk anxiety? Holy crap! Uh, I do want to talk anxiety. That's that's this show. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that 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 is something. I think I have I stopped trying to make. Maybe podcasting might have been my sort of because I feel like I'm friends with the guests that I speak to, even though they're complete strangers. Yeah, uh, I know they're not. Like I'm not calling them specifically. I don't. I don't really keep in contact with too many of them posts. So it's not like we're like buddies where we, you know, keep up with each other. But I feel like I'm friends in that interview. For those, for the out, for however long I'm talking to them, I feel like we're friends. At post interview, I feel like we're friends. Uh, post upload, I feel like we're friends in my head, but not like close friends. Like, right. Like I just have a positive view of that person I spoke to. Um, but there's. I guess I haven't, I don't think I've really tried to make a friend outside of podcasting in, I don't even know, years. Cause I used, I used to be one of those people with the big circle. I had a, I had a whole bunch of friends. I used to throw these bowling events. And I used to do big to do's where, you know, we're going here, we're going there. Let's go to the movies. Let's set it up. Let's go eat. Let's go do this. And it got, it, it, it got exhausting because of there's always some sort of story behind the scenes of this trio over here and that duo over there and this guy's weird and she's never coming and there's there's a whole bunch of that um also all of that energy was distracting but then it, it just felt like to create some new friends it just it didn't seem like people wanted to connect the same way as when we were younger um, like when you're younger, you just kind of like you make friends by just standing near people. Like your your desk is next to the kid next to you. You become friends. And your friends you are know? also your world when you're younger. That's it. That's it. But now, like people can choose to, like you have to come in with a lot of connections, and it's a complete uh, roll of the die on whether you can have those connections. So you have to read context clues. You gotta read body language. You gotta sort of, like you did, you, you throw out your your style of humor, see if that person reacts, and then say, okay, now I got him. Let's let's reel him or her in slowly. You don't want them to get off the line, to use fishing terms. Um, but yeah, it's it's people can be so flaggy now. Um, and I'm I'm not saying I'm I'm perfect either. Like I I'm sure somebody's probably tried to befriend me before. And I probably give them the brush, you know, unintentionally. But there's there, so many things have to go right for that connection to last. 
that it, it almost feels futile to start. Like you have to be, you have to be so sure that the hook is gonna land because you don't want. It doesn't necessarily. Well, for me, I'll speak for my side. It doesn't necessarily affect me if I throw my hook out there and it doesn't hit. It's just if I feel like we have enough connections, so to speak, and then I throw the hook out and, and I'm rebuffed or turned away, then I'm like, um, then I'm in my feelings for a good week or so. Then I'm like, uh, you know, I I I thought we had something. And then they just, you know, they just disappeared. Um, and then also it's different. It's, it's tough for me because I'm not a drinker. Um, as, they, as they used to say in college, I'm straight edge. Um, no smoking, no drinking, no, no weed, no pills, no powders, no, none of that stuff. I mean, I, I can drink socially if I choose to, but I... I don't really choose to because I like to have control of my bladder. That's the key reason why I don't drink that much. And also I don't, I can't drink socially because I don't see the value of having something get watered down by ice cubes that cost me 10 bucks. You know, like a, you know, some mixed drink cost me $10. I want to drink it while it still has the value of that 10. If you put all that water in and melt it down, it's gross to me. I don't. I don't want to water down Jack and Coke, just to be social. Like that. That that doesn't appeal to me. I never like beer. I never like cigarettes due to probably uh, trauma as a youngster. Uh, we just never. It never appealed to me. Even though in college I lived, I lived in the same dorm room as like the biggest pothead on campus. Him and his him and his group were just like everything smelled like weed, literally six to seven days a week. Yeah, so being straight edge means you have even less avenues of connection. You gotta sort of creep in the back alleys and you know peek around corners and lift up egg cartons to see who's who is also in that straight edge area with you. Um, so that makes it even harder as well. Wow, we are so similar. <laughs> Because I, I stopped drinking. Like, I mean, I, I would drink socially, um, but I stopped drinking for, I want to say like four years because I was just getting, and I still do this now. Um, I get headaches from drinking and I don't, it doesn't bring me joy. Like I do it socially, but I don't, I kind of got tired of people asking me why I didn't drink. Yeah. I hate that question. And I, and I hate the social aspect of it where I was, couldn't go to, I, I'd be holding a water just to hold something or holding a soda just to hold something. And, or there was an anxiety in like not fitting in or not, or just, just watching things and not being, again, not being present full circle. But like, now I feel like I do it now because I just got, it was defeat. I just got tired. And weed too is never done. It just made me sick. I was like, oh, I've been trying to do like CBD oil to, or like CBD vaping or whatever to relax. And it doesn't, like the act of it is kind of relaxing, but I'm like, it's not doing anything for me. It's not transporting me into some other place. And like you said, I want to have control of my bladder. I want to have control of my, of my brain. Yeah. You know, you don't want just random stuff to come pouring out of your mouth. Yeah, exactly. Of my, of my throat. Yeah. You know, and if you're, if we're meeting people in, uh, in post COVID, if that is such a thing, I'm like, how do you, I don't know how to 
meet new people. I also, like you said, like, I'm already like, I don't want any more friends. If you're, if I already, if you're in the circle, you're in the circle. If you ain't, you ain't. Cause I, I don't, it's work to keep it up. And also people prioritize friendships differently at this age than they did when you were like in first grade. And that's, you only had your friends and your, and you. And now it's like, oh, there's a, you're living a life because you're supposed to be an adult. I'm almost 34, and I still feel like a, I'm like an emotionally stunted teenager. I didn't, I didn't know your age. <laughs> now I know. It's it. Just you know, tell the people. <laughs> um, I am, I'm 41. Oh, I also didn't know that that was your age either. And I have, and I have the same mental mindset in terms of, not necessarily stunted teenager, but the idea is. To me, as I've seen, the idea of an adult is a myth. Interesting. To me, I feel like people who are older or people of our age, they're just older children. Ooh. Because they they, they act the same exact way as kids do. You hold you hold grudges over small reasons. Um you don't you don't say your feelings to the people that need to hear them the most. Ooh. You can you can be super petty, uh, not you specifically, but you know, older people. Like, I can be, yes, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but I, I just feel like adults are just children. They're just older with facial hair and back pain and debts. More physical you, ailments, yeah. Yeah, you're just you're you're the same. You're the same thing. Like I, I noticed because I noticed it as I was growing up, and you sort of look back over your life and you think, so when when does the adult part kick in? Like when does like does an adult mean that I become one of those people that shuts off youthful energy from you know the the, the people behind me? Like, do I do I want to be one of those people? Like, oh, I don't watch that stuff because it's for children. It's for children. I'm like, what? That's that's exactly when those people I call adults definitely. But those when they shut off that when they shut off that input that seems youthful to them and they only care about their old people stuff or they just keep just the people that just keep rewatching old black and white movies and keep rewatching law and order and keep rewatching you know all these trauma shows just to sort of stay in that pocket of this is this is what i can only do like that that bothers me so i think that we're all children we're, we stay children for a long period of time we just get bigger and that's it what a summary. We're all a bunch of bigger, bigger babies. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, have you, have you, have you, have you stood on a line and just watch, like a long line and watch how people act in that long line? Yeah, patience. It's, yeah, you're right. Cause, you know, like a child or like if somebody like, you know, to use a, a childlike phrase, like if someone cuts you in line. Yeah. And like people get upset or if people, if it like things take a long time and then you want to complain to somebody and like, what's a kid doing when they're waiting a while? They're complaining to their, the closest adult. Yeah. Or the, the, the body language, the, the flopping of the arms, exasperated size. And that conversation of like, you know, like we said earlier of like this American dream of, should I be, is this the place where I have two and a half kids in a white picket fence? Because I'm not steeped in that yet. I'm like, is that, are you a child till you get there? And when you're there, does the childlike essence wear off? But, you know, what you're saying, it's like, it really doesn't. No matter what you achieve, you're still a big baby. Basically. 
And a, and a lot of those people that get the American dream, they feel trapped once they get there. Yep. I don't want to I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know there are people that are the pandemic put the clamps on them in a way that they weren't comfortable with. And they had to sort of act some people had some people acted out, some people it pushed some people to breaking points because of you don't have that ability to decompress. You don't have the ability to get out, knock back a few with your friends and then go back to it or have eight hours of work and then go back to it. I, I, I come across as relaxed because I've... Because you're not worried yet. Yeah. I've done that contempla- contemplative stuff where I've, I've gone through like my life, with, not with a fine tooth comb, but I'm, like I've always been looking through like my diary. Like I would just always reread it and just like analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze. So mm. all of that worry while I was there, like there was anxiety during that part, but right now I just look back and I'm like, ah, I get it. I understand. Like I did this and I did this and I made this choice and I made that choice. Did it all make sense? So I, I guess I've sort of analyzed away all of the future concerns because I can sort of see, I've set it up where I can sort of see what's coming a mile away. Yeah. Like if somebody calls me with their problems, I'm just like, okay, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say that women are all terrible. And, and that person probably says that. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm prepared. Like I've, I've almost, it's the force field, I guess. I just sort of prepared myself for what may come most of the time, like at least through 95% of all interactions, I kind of have a general idea of where we're going. Yeah. And it's a way to cope because you've, or it's a way for you to, to walk through the world now. Yeah. I guess it's, it's because I, I guess I want to create that sort of control for myself. So that way nothing really catches me super off guard. I was going to say the stuff I can't prepare for that. That's the stuff I can't prepare for. Like, you know, sudden, sudden events are the things I can't prefer, I cannot prepare for. You know, somebody just, oh, I, some, you know, I get a phone call, I'm in the hospital. Like, ah, uh, you know, that, there's no, there's no playbook. There's no instruction manual. There's nothing there for that. And I, I just have to deal with those, unfortunately, when they come. But I guess that, yeah, that might be my coping mechanisms, just sort of prepare myself for almost every potential option and then just sort of be flexible within that. And like me, who I would like to have a manual on how to go through each step of life, <laughs> so I don't fuck it up. I mean, you're you're currently. I don't want to. I don't want to be that one of those people. It's like, well, you're living and breathing. You woke up to see another day. Because I, I don't believe. Ugh, it. Get out of my podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to just more conversations in general, and I think I really do feel like a connection, a, a stronger connection with you now. And I'm really glad that you agreed to do this. I was I was actually honored that you reached. I was like, Sarah's Sarah reaching out? Anxiety? <laughs> do I have anxiety? I, I'm probably not. Uh, I guess we'll just sort of. I'll, I'll wing it. Maybe I'm anxious here and there. You know, I didn't think I didn't think much of it, but yeah, I, I yeah, this is this is this was a this was a, it was a surprise because because normally on Facebook my messenger thing doesn't ring, and I'm just like ah, uh, you know. Um, I guess I'm, I'm used to my rotation of friends. So when I heard, heard the thing, I was like, oh, it's probably a family member. Like, Sarah, Sarah wants you to be on the podcast? Huh. Wow. Oh, no. no. Yeah, and I just I, I went with it. 
I mean, part of me was going to ask you more questions. Part of the preparation, I was going to say, uh, like, oh, is there anything I need to prepare? Should I? Is there a topic you want to lean toward? But I, I, I held back and I said, let's just try to go into this. I was sort of waiting for you to ask questions, and I was going to be like, no. <laughs> See. And then you did it, and I was like, because I sensed it, and I was like, I wonder if he's going to like be like, should we prepare for this? Yeah. And I, I was like, I almost uh-huh. did. I almost did, but I, I held off because I was like, maybe, maybe she just, maybe she'll come to me with topics. Maybe, maybe Sarah will come with like three or four things to be anxious about. I get to pick my choice and we just go from there. Ooh, can we do an episode where we like, we'll spin a wheel and we'll just like do a rant on like anxiety and next topic. So instead of wheel of morality, it's more of the wheel of anxiety. Right. Ooh. That makes me anxious to think about it. <laughs> and with that... Yeah. yeah that's it <laughs> yeah um yeah we you know come back for the uh wheel of anxiety episode please we'll, we'll, <laughs> yes we'll do a video do. podcast we'll do one in person and we'll we'll spin the wheel it'll be great yeah. someone somebody make that wheel for me please um because i have no artistic ability um I think it might be a website. We can just fill in the, the things. You're right. See, I, clearly because I'm still using batteries, I'm still in 1995. I mean, so. Uh, do, you have, do you have a sundial on your wrist? For, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I add, I don't have a calculator. I use an abacus. <laughs> do you cook with a fireplace or? Well, <laughs> now do the typical ending to a podcast interview. Um, so I never actually properly introduced you, but I'll do that in the intro. So. Just tell the folk where they can find you on the socials that we're begrudgingly doing. <laughs> <laughs> you got a point there. Um, well, I have a website. You can all reach by going to the website, uh, Christopher.rocks. That's spelled uh, K-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-E-R dot R-O-C-K-S. Uh, that leads you right to my main website, which will lead you to my Instagram my Twitter, my Facebook, and it can also lead you to the podcast streaming platform of your choice. Um, If you want to email me, uh, that'll be up there too. So I don't know if you actually said the name of your podcast, but his podcast is called From Where I Sit. Yes, From Where I Sit. The From Where I Sit podcast is all about the views, interviews, reviews, and points of views. That is... uh, what the podcast is about. I talk to people. Um, I review things that I see and or interact with, and I give my two cents on, you know, majorly public topics um, and some general things that may have happened to me. I pass it on to you. Also, I enjoy your outro to your podcast. So I'd like it, if you don't mind, to end my podcast <laughs> with your ending. Have a good morning. Have a good afternoon. Have a good evening. Have a good day in totality. And we'll talk to you later. Ciao. Voila. Thank you so much. I really, again, I'm saying it like a hundred times, but I really do appreciate you agreeing to come on and I enjoy talking with you and I hope to grow this adult friendship. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> agreed. I will have, I, I also want to have you on my podcast at some point. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, in the, f- in the very near future. Uh, keep your schedule free. The whole thing. Do nothing else. Yeah, just, yeah, don't, don't do any work. Um, you can sleep. Okay, cool. Outside of sleep and hygiene, 
just just be ready for our conversation. Okay, cool. I love that. But yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely try to keep this uh, adult connection going. Yes. And we'll see where it leads us. Fantastic. I love it. Thanks again. You got it. That was my conversation with Christopher Carter. Please, please go listen to his podcast from where I sit. It's available wherever you get podcasts. His last episode is about his love for shoes, specifically sneakers. He became a sneakerhead in the pandemic. One of my last memories of him is him showing me photos on his phone of all the sneakers he bought while we're on the train back from going to a Yankees game. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, and if you know him, I hope it comforted you in some way and it brought you joy in some way. Um, I know it's bringing that for me, just hearing his voice again. Knowing that I'll never hear it again is is still something I'm trying to process. So yeah, please go uh, listen to his podcast. It's called From Where I Sit, and his website is Christopher.rocks. Um, his name is spelled K-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-E-R. I want to thank Angelique Ibera, the editor and mixer of this podcast, for helping me re-edit this and in time for it to be released. Um, the music in this episode is by Garrett Rose. You can hear his work at garrettrose.com. And I am your host, who is trying to process the death of a great man. Sarah Carlin. Chris, I hope this honors your memory and I will continue to honor you in my life and I miss you very much. Rest in peace, Christopher. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. <laughs>